I would like to do just a little bit of house business to thank those that helped us during this time. Um, we had to work very hard to get this building done on the time scale that we had. And I just want to thank uh, Pastor Eddie Leon from Faith World. We want to thank Elliot, who came here as a summer Bible college student and worked hard for the Lord. We want to thank Andrew from Teen Challenge and all that he did, and the Teen Challenge crew, which, by the way, there's about another 50 people in our overflow. Somebody say, hallelujah, overflow. And uh, I just want to thank David and Araceli Carrasco. And I also just want to thank Josh and Andrew who came early and stayed late so many times. So I just said a whole bunch of names. Can we just bless the Lord for what they did? They know who they are. Thank you. They did it unto God. And I wanted to make sure that I honored them. On the back of your announcements are notes. Every sermon is recorded and placed on our website for free. Download it. Put it in your MP3 and jam to it on your way to and fro work. And also our worship is there as well. So get a hold of our website, metropraise.org. Today's message is don't be afraid, just believe. Can we say that all together? One, two, three. Don't be afraid, just believe. One more time looking at your neighbor. One, two, three. Don't be afraid, just believe. I want you to open up in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5 verse 21. As you'll notice about us that we come pretty high tech, so we got a karaoke Bible for you. Hallelujah. So if you have a Bible, turn there to Mark chapter 5 verse 21. The story that we're going to talk about today came to me as I was praying last week to prepare for this week's sermon. What word would God say today? And I felt this in my heart, and you'll know why in just a few moments. But I hope that it will bless you and encourage you today. It's not just a slogan. It's what Jesus said. And when we take Jesus at his word, Jesus will do what he said he will do. Amen? We believe that. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 tells us a story. Let's look at it. When Jesus had crossed again over by boat... To the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus, everybody say Jairus. Jairus came there, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Get that in your heart. My little daughter is dying. I have a daughter. I can only imagine what he's going through. He says, please come and put your hands on her that so she may be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Continue in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and said, your daughter is dead. They said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Now look at Jesus, verse 36. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue rule, everybody say it, don't be afraid, just believe. Let's say it again. Don't be afraid, just believe. Those are the words of Jesus. Continuing, when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion. With people crying and wailing loudly, as you would be if you lost your daughter. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus. Imagine how much they thought they knew compared to what Jesus knew. They laughed at him. And he put them all out. Some may say he put them out. Sometimes you got to do that. After he had put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talatha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Somebody say, get up. 
get up immediately. The girl stood up, walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. Somebody say, don't be afraid. Just believe. Jarius was a synagogue ruler. That means he knew all about religion. He knew how to read his scrolls. He knew about the Old Testament. He knew who Moses was, and he could probably recite to you the 600-plus commandments of the Old Testament from memory. He would pray many times a day facing Jerusalem. He practiced ceremonial washings. He was always squeaky clean, and he made sure not to violate any of the 600-plus laws that God had given him. But yet this man, Jarius, came into a point where everything he had tried had failed, Doctors couldn't help him. His friends couldn't help him. All of his religion could not help him. But he must have heard about Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Because what he did is he took up what he had and he went to go find Jesus, who at this time was just a mysterious, miracle-working man who kept talking about a new covenant through his relationship with the Father, thus making himself equal to God. So here was a man surrounded in mystery and controversy. But Jarius, a synagogue ruler, very religious and popular man himself, had no problem going to Jesus in front of everybody asking for help because he was desperate. Somebody say he was desperate. When you're desperate, you'll do things that you normally wouldn't do. Out of desperation, he comes to Jesus, falling at his knees at Jesus' feet, and he says, my daughter is sick. Will you help me? And at this point, Jesus says, let's do it. Come on, I'm about this. Jesus said, I'm always doing my father's business. Jesus loved to heal, cast out devils, and to bring up disciples. He was always doing the work of the father. So here's a good day with Jesus. Let's grab him by the hand. Let's skip down the yellow brick road to a miracle. But there's a problem. In the midst of this skipping down the road to his home, his friends come and find him. And they say, hold up. Before you go any further, let me tell you something. Your daughter is not sick. She has now died. Somebody say she's dead. And at this point, you can imagine the terror that comes into this man's heart. If you've ever lost somebody you love, you know what that feels like, the shock, the sadness, the pain. But Jesus, the Bible says, totally ignores what they just said and looks right at the man and says, don't be afraid, just believe. I want to tell you today that there is still a Jesus walking through the streets of Chicago that are looking at desperate people, and he's saying those same words today. Ignore what they have have said. Ignore what the doctors have said. Ignore what politicians and economic people have said. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Now you can take that today as a fortune cookie and you can say my pastor has lost his mind. But I would, if I were you today, I would take it as the very words of Jesus. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And then Jesus did what he always does. He blew their minds. He comes in there and says, she's just sleeping because he knew what he would do. He then tells everybody laughing at him, get out. You ain't about the father's business. Get out. He says, I love you, but you ain't part of this. Let's get you out of here. And he takes the people that he knew would be having faith, the mother and the father and the disciples. And he takes the girl and he says, tell Akum, rise, get up and walk. And she does. A miracle happens. It would have been on CNN if it was around. And even Richard Dawkins would have had to scratch his head and say, I don't understand. Because God, through Jesus Christ, does miracles. And today's message to you is the same message after 2,000 years. Do not be afraid. 
Just believe. And so I thought as I would preach to you this story and share with you about uh, this young girl and her family 2,000 years ago, that that might be hard for you to relate to. So I thought I would start with myself and tell you three things that made me afraid in life and how Jesus came to me and said, don't be afraid, just believe. Now you know why I picked this subject. It's September 12th. Yesterday was September 11th. We have military servicemen and policemen. I'm going to ask them to stand up. If you were in the military, would you stand or are in the military? If you serve as a police officer or as a civil servant firefighter, would we give these men a hand clap? Stand as we clap for you. Thank you. We honor you and what you do. We will not forget. We will not forget. Well, I was in Minneapolis when it happened. Where were you? The memory strikes a smell, a location, a friend you were with. This is a vivid memory in all of our minds. Where were you when September 11th happened? You know where I was? I was visiting friends in Minneapolis on a preaching trip, and I was sleeping, and I was woken up by the woman of the house, and she said, you've got to come and see this, rushing me into her bedroom. She said, look what's on TV. Somebody's flown a plane into the building. We didn't know yet it was a terrorist attack. We didn't know there was a second one coming. This is when everybody was in shock in awe. And then from that point forward, sitting on the edge of her bed with all of her family huddled around her TV, we began to see the towers collapse. And we began to see the devastation. And we began to feel the fear and the terror that many and most of all of us felt. But I felt it in my own unique way because I lived in New Orleans at the time and I needed to travel about a thousand miles the next day on a plane. And my friends, I don't really enjoy plane flying that much, but put on top of guys flying them into buildings, how many know I didn't want to get on that plane that day? And I remember having to reschedule my flight, and I remember looking at uh, people going there earlier the first day they started flights, and they had the, the cameras there, and they said, are you going to get on a plane, sir? Ma'am, are you going to get on? And I remember our proud American brothers and sisters said to the camera, I will. I won't let the terrorists make me afraid. I'll fly on this plane. I remember saying, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. And I just remember that day praying. I said, God, I don't know if this plane's going to fly to a building. I don't know what's going to happen. And you know what he spoke to my heart? He said, Joe, don't be afraid. Just believe. And that might not be a lot for you, but that was terrifying to me getting there that day. Let me describe what it was like if you didn't fly out that first week. The airport was empty. Everybody was in a state of alert and still in shock. When I got onto the plane, there was all about five of us, and the stewardess had cooked for us brownies. And we're walking down the aisle saying, thank you, sir. Thank you for coming on here. And it was that sense of camaraderie. And when I landed in New Orleans kissing the ground, I said, Lord, thank you for bringing me home safely. Can you say thank you, Jesus? The second situation that I faced in life is where I was telling you I stayed in New Orleans seven and a half years. And while I lived in New Orleans, I remember what it was like as a second-year Bible college student in the late 90s when Hurricane George was threatening our shores. We had to all evacuate. I remember what it was like when the highways only went one way, the people on the radio telling us to evacuate. We went about three hours north to a place called Alexander, Louisiana, and we all sat by the TV. TVs and radios to listen to this hurricane. But that time in late 90s, Hurricane George blew by. 
And I remember coming back to where I pastored as a Bible college student. And I remember asking all of the congregation, most of them low income, from African American communities. I remember asking them, where did you go? Where did you drive? Where did you spend this time when the hurricane came? And they said, Pastor, we didn't leave. We stayed here. And I began to sense in my heart, dear Lord, if something does happen, these people have nowhere to go. And I remember when they said it was coming towards New Orleans, they said, you need to prepare to leave. And I began thinking to myself, my people, the ones that I've ministered there as I was living in Chicago, I said, they have nowhere to go. I remember calling my friends and the people of our church, and I said, y'all have got to take this serious. They said, Pastor, we can't afford a bus. We can't afford anything. The places that are giving the free rides have already left. And I remember as the storm came through New Orleans, there wasn't really any major damage other than the winds and the rains. And there was almost like that sigh as I was watching it like, whoa, we made it. And then at the moment I sighed, I remember what they always taught me living in New Orleans. It's not the rain. It's not the wind. It's the breaking of the levees. And I began thinking to myself, I pray the levee doesn't break. But as they did over the ninth ward where I was familiar with, I began to watch like you did on TV. Destruction come to these homes. Destruction come to lives. I was glued to the TV. I was trying to call those same friends. I couldn't get a hold of them. But you know what I heard the Lord saying to my heart? Don't be afraid. Just believe. And when I had the first opportunity to go down there, we began to minister to the people. And we began to help them. And I want to tell you something, friends. You haven't seen that in America before. I've been to India. I've been to Mexico. I've been to countries where you see great need. This was the first time I ever saw people rolling up in SUVs saying, can I get a pillow? Do you have an extra one? Do you have a shower cap? Do you have pajamas for my little girl? We have nothing. But during that time, I saw people give their heart to Jesus. I saw a peace come in their life. I saw my friends have a new understanding because even in the midst of storms, Jesus is still Lord. Can you say amen? I'm not painting for you perfect pictures where it always works out in a way that we say, oh, yeah, it's always good, hunky-dory. I'm just telling you when life's troubles come, my friend, you need to be ready to say, I will trust and believe. Look at that handsome man right there. About 60 pounds ago. This is my last one. I was pastoring New Orleans with young men like this. I feared for my life so very often. And then God began to give me a love for them. And to this day, I'm a spiritual father to my baby kids. But this brings to you my most personal heartbreak in life. This is not a national event. Nobody shared this with me. Nobody would really understand it. So I'll do my best to explain it so you can at least capture a part of it. I worked as a pastor, 22 years old after I graduated Bible college, pastored as a young man. I didn't have the gray hair that I do now. This is proof that I'm a pastor. People look at me. Are you the senior pastor? Yes, I am. I don't believe it. Are you the senior? Yes. Just look at the gray hair, okay? Right here. Oh, y'all don't want to say amen to that. Okay. I still love you. I'm here. Well, praise the Lord. There I was 60 pounds ago, long, flowing, bushy hair. And I worked in these neighborhoods that most people didn't want to go to the projects. And then at night, we would go to the French Quarter. We led one young man to the Lord as he was scoring heroin from a bar. These were the type of places we would go. I've been to ten Mardi Gras preaching the gospel and standing up for Jesus. But there came a time when I was about 26 years old that the finances started to dry up. 
The people who loved the church had nothing to give to the church. And I had raised as much money as I could. There were times when I had raised $70,000 in one offering at larger churches. But everybody I was calling, there was no response. They were saying, Pastor, we can't help you. We cannot help you. This was during the time of the early uh, housing boom. I had friends that were in ministry that were building houses from the ground up, three, dollars $400,000. Peers that I knew in the church world were saying, this is the best time I've ever seen, man. They had a southern accent, okay? This is the best time, and I'm losing everything I've ever worked for. And I remember calling the landlord. Can you imagine a pastor calling the landlord saying, I don't have the rent. The people I have are great. They need this church, but I don't have the rent. And he said, if you don't have the rent, you have to get out. I said, can I get a month? There's no month for you. You don't have it. You have to get out. I wasn't going to be a squatter and stay there and then make him have to get a lawyer. I honored his word. I didn't have the money, and I got out. And I'll tell you something. The day I had to tell the people that I have to leave was the saddest day of my life. I remember having to go to another pastor who was my friend, and I said, Pastor Orlando, would you take these people? Would you love them? Would you bring them into your congregation? I had a 15-passenger van. I said, I'll give you the van that I have. I'll give you all that I have left. Will you pastor these people? He said yes. And I remember that he came and sat before the people, and literally one at a time, I said, this is Jude, Pastor Orlando. I met him on the, the block here at, uh, you know, Tulane, and I saw him as a young man. He's now an older man. Would you take care of him? One person at a time. I kept handing them over to this pastor. And I remember saying to God, I don't know where to go, but God said, I want you to go to Chicago and work as a youth pastor. And I said, God, I'm going to do it because I don't know what else to do. But, God, if I'm missing you and I'm supposed to stay here, show me a sign. Well, on my way here in a U-Haul by myself, it broke down over five times, and I had to get another U-Haul. And I said, man, maybe I missed God. And I showed up here to Chicago with a broken heart saying, I lost my first church. Does anybody understand? Pray for the pastor. The pastor needs help. But you know what I heard Jesus saying? Don't be afraid. Just believe. There I met this beautiful young lady about five foot six looking all Greekish and hot. And then God said, hey, here's your wife. And then my wife and I got married. And then God uh, through my spiritual father, brother Anthony said, why don't you go out and start winning souls? And we started a church and guess what we called it? praise. And now five years later, here we are, out of heartbreak, came what you're sitting on today. Because Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe. Sometimes we don't see the good that come out of bad situations, but God always does. My friends, everybody has a fear in life. I don't know what yours is, but I can guarantee you it may have something with this. Everybody's going to die one day. Everybody is going to face God one day. You are not an object of evolution. You are not here by random chance. You are created by God. And God made you to live and to honor Him. And one day you will be judged by Him and how you lived here. And I want you to think about this for a few moments. When they say goodbye to your remains, what will happen to you? Where will you go? I used to be afraid of death. I used to fear that when I was living in this world, I was a high school dropout arrested eight times. I was tore up from the floor up. I needed a checkup from the neck up. I was messed up, busted, and disgusted. Amen? And you know what? 
At the age of 18 years old, November 5th, 1995, Mama, would you stand up? This woman led me to the Lord at her kitchen table. She said, I got a plan for you, and it starts with Jesus, and it ends with Jesus. Give your whole life to him. The Bible calls him the author and finisher of your faith. I want to ask you a question. Are you sure of where you go when you die? Or is this something that you're afraid of? Because I can start with you right here today, right now. If you're afraid of this, and if you're going to be honest, most of you would be, you need to have Jesus in your life. Because supernaturally, he can do what naturally you can't do. When your life is over, you can't bring your money to impress God. When your life is over, your house and material possessions will mean nothing. Didn't we learn that in 9-11, in Hurricane Katrina, all the resources we have really mean nothing. And those are the times when we're out of control, we feel the most afraid. Well, death is coming at every one of our doorsteps. And you don't have to be afraid. You can trust Jesus today. And he He will save you just like he has done for me and so many more. Can you say amen? I want to close out with these three things today that you don't have to be afraid of. The first one is where you go when you die. The Bible says in John chapter 3, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So you don't have to be afraid of where you go when you die. Be born again. You were born first by your mom and dad maybe getting together with Al Green in the back of a Chevy somewhere, and you boop, popped out nine months later. Look at your neighbor and say, yes, he did. So you came out after a long night with mom and dad, and boop, there you came. Now, today, the life you live will one day end. God says you have to have another life. You have to have another birth. You have to have another father. And the Bible says whoever comes to Jesus and is born again will see the kingdom of God. But I want everyone to look up at me, please. This is not some fast-talking, red-faced, sweating preacher lying to you. I'm telling you the truth. Jesus said if you're not born again, you don't see the kingdom of God. You can't show up there with your confirmation certificate. You can't say, I was baptized. Woo! Or you can't go, well, Pastor, let's, uh, Jesus, let's talk about this. I was reading Dawkins, and uh, this is what they were saying about you, that you didn't exist, and Stephen Hawking. No, you can't go up there and discuss with him. And by the way, those of you who are goody-two-shoes that are going to go up there and think that when you say, God, I didn't murder anybody, they're going to stand up and give you a standing ovation. Yes! Look at this guy. He didn't murder anybody. I'm such a good person, Pastor. I don't steal. I don't murder. I don't rape little children. I'm so glad you're not on America's Most Wanted. Good for you. But let me tell you something. You're not being judged by your goody-two-shoe ideas. You're being judged by a law that says, Thou shalt not lie. Have you ever told a lie? Don't lie now. Yes, you have. And if you have, you're a liar. The Bible says if you've taken anything that doesn't belong to you, you're a thief. Look who you're sitting next to right now. Go, "Uh uh-oh. Hello. Hey, you know this? If you ever disobey your parents, the Bible says you're rebellious. If you ever put anything before God, that's idolatry. If you ever covet or want what somebody else has, that's called coveting and being jealous. I've only named about five of the Ten Commandments. Some goody two-shoes ain't going to make it. you got to be born again. You better come to God not on your own righteousness, but on His blood and say, God, I believe. The simple gospel that says you died for a sinner like me He took the wrath of a holy God. He didn't die because he was a bad person and he wasn't just a martyr like Braveheart. He died for innocent people like us. or He died as an innocent man for sinners like us. And the Father took the wrath and put it on him. All the punishment we deserve. That's why the sky turned black at 3 in the afternoon. And he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because when sin was put upon his own son, the Father turned his back. But Jesus at that time said, Father, forgive them. 
for they know not what they do. He then says, it is now finished. And he breathed his last breath, went to a grave, crushed the devil's head. Three days later, resurrected. And he said, I have all authority. Go into the world and make disciples of every tribe and nation. Hallelujah. And you're hearing that good gospel news today. It's time to get saved. Look at your neighbor and say, get saved. The second thing today, if you're already saved, I want to pray with you in this room. Don't be afraid. Just believe for any need that you're facing. We're not believing that Jesus in the Bible is a magic genie. You rub it and poof, all your economic problems disappear. But I want to tell you something. Don't go through this time in your life without God. Don't go through the troubles of this country without God. Don't be afraid of what you hear on the news. Don't be afraid of what's happening in our schools. Chicago's setting records again for crime, for murders, policemen dying. My friends, do not be afraid. Just believe whatever needs you have today. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Peace in our homes. Peace to the schools. Peace to the troubled. Joy to the depressed. Prosperity to the poor. Jesus answers prayers. Somebody put your faith in Him and stop being afraid. And somebody might say, Well, now, preacher... You sure make it look easy, don't you? Oh, here we go again. Another faith preacher. Like, what are you talking about, faith? Let me just ask you a question. What's your fear going to do for you anyway? Hey, baby, it's one or the other. It's one or the other. Hey, you know what Pascal said? He made a wager. He was a philosopher. He said, you know what? If I'm wrong, I don't lose anything. But if I'm right, I got everything to gain, baby. Listen to me. Put your faith in God. If your cantaloupe brain was meant to figure it out, God would showed up today with some coffee and say, hey, what do you think we should do today? God's not asking for permission. He's sovereign, but yet he's intimate and he's close to you right now. And he's saying, trust me. Look at your neighbor and say, trust God. And then lastly, for healing, we still believe that God is a healer. Even taking the literal application of Jairus' daughter, that today if someone is sick, through the laying on of hands, in the name of Jesus, sick people can be well. Luke chapter 4, verse 40 says, When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying hands on each one, he healed them. Would you stand up with me today? Would you bless the Lord for the Word of God today? Thank you for coming. Band, would you come? Woo! I'm excited. All you got to do is just come back every week and we're going to change the world. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, be here next week. I want to pray for you today. My wife and I are going to stay up here at the end of service, meeting anyone that wants to meet with us, shaking hands. We try to answer as many questions as we can. You have my cell phone number. Call me anytime. But before we go, can I just ask you to turn your eyes to Jesus? Whatever you're facing today, turn your eyes to Jesus. I know it's so easy to listen to what others are saying. But sometimes you've got to do what Jesus did and just ignore it. You've got to ignore it. My mother had to ignore the counselors after she brought me to them. They said, your son is crazy. You need to check him in somewhere. Am I telling the truth? She had to ignore them. They tried to put me on that ADHD test. She said, my son ain't crazy. He just got a lot of sin in him. That's right. Boom. She had to say, I'm going to ignore what everybody else thinks is rational. 
Some of you today may be facing a marriage trouble. Some of you may be facing financial trouble. I want you today to ignore the details. God will give you the steps to take. He'll reposition you. But today, I'm going to ask you to ignore the details and come to Him and just believe. So many times when I pray for the sick, they come to me as if I'm a doctor. Well, I got arthritis, and I got a little bit right here, and I got to take a little bit of medicine. Listen, I don't need to know anything. Jesus, be healed. Sometimes we just want to rationalize, and that's why all of these cures and self-help programs we love. We love just doing this, doing this, take a little bit of this, drink a little bit of that, and do this, and we're going to all make it work. But like I said, things happen in life we have no control over. Can we just learn the lesson now? Don't be afraid. Just believe. Whatever you're facing, don't be afraid. Just believe. Today I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to ask my altar workers to come. We're going to close out with a song. We have so many donuts that you're going to leave out here needing prayer. I want to ask you to stay until we go, until we dismiss. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for every person that you brought here, God. Lord, you know what we're going through and you know what we need. You know the voices that are in our head and the voices that we hear. Lord, today in this house, we want to ignore those voices. And we want to trust and believe in you. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to first begin to pray for those that need to accept Jesus. Those who have not been born again. Who have not accepted it for themselves or had a relationship that is genuine with faith and repentance. Growing every day. I'm praying for you right now, God. I pray as you begin to speak that, Lord, they don't resist. That they hear your voice. That, God, today they'll realize that this is not an accident. They're here. But, God, this is a divine setup. You brought them here so that they may know you. I pray, Lord, they don't miss their appointment, but they come to you today. Secondly, I'm going to begin to pray for those that have needs. God, you know what needs are in this place. Some may seem so small. Others may seem so big. God, whatever they are today, I pray that my friends will seek you. That God, they'll put you first. That God, whatever's on their heart today, they'll lay it at these altars. And that, Lord, they won't be afraid, but they'll just believe. And lastly, God, I pray for those that are sick. God, those that say, i got to take medication every day. This is something that is causing me great pain. It's hurting our family. God, whatever their illness may be, God, you are the one who created them. And you healed when you walked on this earth. And you gave us the same authority. So, God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that today, in your name, sick people will be healed.